All right. <clears throat> What's going on? Thank God it is Tuesday. I'm having a baby. Baby hairs. Baby hair moment. I'm having a baby hair moment. They're growing all over my head. I'm sprouting. I'm like two months into starting my third month of my natural hair supplement. I'm going to look like a mother freaking unicorn pony horse-drawn carriage by the end of this summer. Let me tell you first. Welcome back to another episode of The Botanista Show. It's me, Taylor Miriam Rayo, your botanista. This show is presented by Miller Lite, baby. And I know nobody asked me, but I had a serious, a sad and serious realization slash question that I wrote down to share with you today. I know nobody asked me, but are you really a good cook if you just follow recipes? Like, pause for a second. Because, you know, I've gone on the mic a time or two or five or a dozen touting my chef skills, and it didn't hit me until the other night that I thought, like, well, I'm not, like, reinventing anything. I'm just following a recipe. I'm just reading directions, trotting my way around the grocery store aimlessly, but still trotting like that mother freaking glorious pony. I did a hair mask and I'm growing last night horse unicorn. But really, I'm just opening up an app, reading a blog, pinning an Instagram post and making a recipe. Does that make me A good cook. Oh, I'm sorry. Not me. I'm asking for a friend. I love when people ask for a friend. I'm going to ask for a friend right now. I'm going to play my phone a friend, ask for a friend card. Because if that's true, then I'm really not a good cook after all. That's a huge bummer, man. Do I have to start like writing my own recipe book now? I'm not trying to be Martha or Ina or Rachel or Bobby. But maybe I am. Bitch, I might be. I don't know. That's something. That's some food for thought, no pun intended. But anyway, let's get going on today's episode. As I am recording right now, the star-studded studs of the world are getting ready to go to the Met Gala. If you don't know, it is always the first Monday in May. And this is a Botanista's dream come true. Not only for the roaster toast, the things that you probably saw already if you're listening right now on TGIT, on my Instagram stories. I love to see what the celebs are up to, but to me, this is the top tier event of the year for who is relevant in the Hollywood world, music scene, athletes perhaps. Roger Federer is one of the co-chairs of the Met Gala, the Met Ball this year. Um, So is Olivia. No, not Olivia Rodrigo. Dua Lipa. I get those two confused sometimes. So it is the one event, I think, even in Hollywood, where fashion truly comes first. It is not an accessory to the event. It is the event. I would fall over and die if I were ever invited to the Met Gala. You got to be invited. It's Anna's thing. And There's been a lot of speculation about who's going to be on the carpet, who's not, but I'll just quickly remind you or review with you of this year's theme. Again, this is being recorded prior to me seeing any of the looks, but it doesn't really matter because the thing with the Met Gala is that even though there's a theme that everybody has to follow along to, it's usually a theme that is not easily understood by the general public. 
just the regular yous and me's of the world who like to watch and speculate and, you know, vote up or yes, up or down, yes or no on what we like, what we don't. But this year's theme, I guess, is a little bit more concrete than some of the other ones. Last year's had to do with like the Gilded Age. There was camp that was very controversial that people still don't know what it means. This year is in honor of Carl Lagerfeld. He is a very famous designer. He worked with a number of different brands over the years from Chanel to Chloe to his own namesake line, Carl Lagerfeld. Gray-haired guy, like kind of tip-top shape, sharp looking. He has since passed, I believe, in 2019. But the Met Gala this year is set to honor him and I guess sort of encompass and portray some of the looks and fashions and things that he was known for throughout his very storied career as a fashion designer, an expert in the world of fashion, dressing celebs, runway models, you name it. So, I mean, I think it's a great theme. You know, I don't know that they can go and celebrate every single fashion great, but clearly his impact was profound. I hate the trickle-down effect, though, of designers because the Karl Lagerfeld actual line used to get it in Lord & Taylor. You'll see it on, like, a clearance rack at Nordstrom or somewhere every once in a while. The Karl Lagerfeld line is not representative, of course. It's his everyday version of what he made, but I hate when, like, big brands like that kind of sell out and put their name on something because... I, I wouldn't buy Carl Lagerfeld stuff that I would be finding on a discount rack. It's just not the vibe. Um, Christian Siriano, I remember he was selling like, like, hand, like sets of like hats and gloves and sweaters around Christmas time that were absolutely atrocious. They were not stocking stuffer material even. It would be a compliment to say that you'd stuff your stocking with that or you'd stuff something in the sock that he was selling. It just wasn't good. So that always kind of like cheapens it a little bit for me. But that's all to say, of course, Carl is an iconic designer. People revere him and look up to him. And I'm very curious to see, again, recording this before it happens, how people portray it and then always having an opportunity to learn a little bit more about the theme when you see the looks, when you hear who people worked with on the designer side and all that fun stuff. So it's the first Monday in May. It's a big one. It's a fun one. It is in New York City. That's the other part that I feel is like such a dream because so many of the biggest award shows, Hollywood things take place on the West Coast in LA. The fact that this is a fundraiser for the Met, it happens right in New York, makes me just wish I got on a train or drove down there to kind of scope out with my little binoculars or whatever because it would be a freaking sight to see. There's no phones in there. You can't record anything. There's not really a lot of details told about what goes on in the actual gala itself. And I think that makes it fun for us, the consumer of all of it on TV and social media, as well as for the celebrities. Like it's not a super public event post red carpet. So they get to say their piece and then go inside and have a good time and support a great cause. There's one Carl Lagerfeld quote though, that even in this world of celebrity and fashion and runway and all of that, that you and me could never, ever imagine. Carl Lagerfeld has a quote that I read on the New York Times today. It's the reason why I'm dressed the way I am as I sit here in upstate New York doing my couch podcast that a few people listen to. He says, sweatpants are a sign of defeat. Fucking A. How did I just ruin that? Defeat? Carl Lagerfeld said, Sweatpants are a sign of defeat. You lost control of your life, so you bought some sweatpants. And if that doesn't sum up the average American that sits on the couch eating Melio, 
takeout, sipping wine, and criticizing some of the most high-end, expensive, detailed, thought-out fashions in the world. I don't know what does. But, Carl, if I could, just for a moment, I would guarantee you that your Lord and Taylor line is out here selling a pair of sweatpants somewhere. I'm just saying. But I get it. I've always supported that sweatpant rhetoric. I mean, do I wear sweatpants? Yes. Do I record in sweatpants? Yes. But sweatpants are not a good sign, baby. The legging movement, we took it too far. We're reeling it back now. We're getting back into like boxy boy cut jeans as a higher end substitute. But legging culture is a detriment to society. I think we all know that. And someone like Carl, you know, he's probably like Dolly Parton. He's probably sleeping in a suit and tie. Dolly Parton sleeps with her makeup on. I mean, these people are famous for a reason. They get the big bucks. They work with all the good people in the industry for a reason. And it's probably because they don't wear sweatpants. And would we, on the outside here, would we give it all up? Would we give all the sweatpants up? to live that life, I would right now. If you told me that would be it, I could trade all my sweatpants for just a little uh, little stroll down the red carpet or whatever color the carpet is at the Met Gala. I feel like it's not red. I don't know that for sure. Um, I would do it. I would certainly do it. And that was one thing that was actually generally concerning to me over the weekend. I started the process of sort of de-hoarding my guest room where all my clothes are. I had just left it a mess for a few weeks, which is so unlike me. But this transition period of weather is so bizarre not to bore anybody with weather talk on this podcast. But just sitting here today, Monday's like always my work from home day, get a lot of shit done. I mean, it is just like so sunny, trees blooming, everything looks great. Then I look out another window and it's ominous, it's scary, it's been sun showers, it's been rain showers, and that's part of the reason why I can't fully commit to a closet right now. So I've left it in a bit of disarray. But one thing that I was concerned about just for myself is how many sweatshirts and sweatpants I just have laying around that really are my jammies. I would love to know how many pairs of actual pajamas, jammies, housewear, loungewear the average person has because I have collected way too many over the years. It has sort of a sentimental quality to it, I think. You know, when I get like sweatshirts, for example, sweatpants, not so much. Those are like, I feel like someone left a pair at my house and some have just, you know, been with me through life. But sweatshirts are one of those things that like you pick up over time. You know, you're visiting your friend at their college and now all of a sudden you have a Boston College sweatshirt or you went on a vacation or somebody went on a vacation and brought you a sweatshirt. I just saw this morning on the news that two in three people have an item of clothing from their ex still available somewhere in their life. So maybe you have an ex's sweatshirt or a big t-shirt that you sleep in that was somebody else's. I just feel like it's a weird realm. It's a weird realm of clothing that holds some sort of emotional significance or just like peace and comfort. Like I just have sweatshirts that, you know, they're ugly, they're faded, they're, you know, tearing up a little bit. They have, uh, you know, oil stains on it from cooking or being a not chef. Um, but I can't get rid of them. But when I look at how much shit this takes up in my tiny little closet, it is time. Like my mom always says, like when you buy one, you throw one. Like if you get a new sweatshirt, if you, you know, I've fallen trapped to a couple trendy ones like the Dubois merch or Sporty and Rich and like, you know, I don't need to be buying, like I should be buying new clothes per the dilemma of the past, you know, season of this podcast talking about clothes. So next time you see me, tell me, Taylor, you don't need any more sweatshirts. 
Definitely don't need any sweats. That would not be approved by Carl. What would Carl do? WWKD. Carl would K-W-T-O-H-S-A-S. Carl would throw out his sweatshirts and sweatpants. I'm going to take that motto as we head into Met Week and try to declutter some of that stuff because it's just really not good. And it's not cute. Like, I think the other thing with pajamas is that, and I get it, we're in the comfort of our own homes. We don't necessarily need to be flattered or flattering, but I'm not taking the effort to match. I'll match on a vacay. I have a drawer of matching jammies, but, you know, I saw a meme the other day also that was like, you know, it was just a silly meme, but it was like, boyfriend, like, you know, I can't wait to wake up next to you. And then it was like me when I wake up. And it was literally me when I wake up. Trump hair in full effect, disheveled. I think maybe there there is something to be said about putting a little extra effort in when you're at home chilling. Because you never know if you want to spice it up. You never know if your partner is looking at you in just total disgust. Like, wow, this bitch has got to get it together. You never know what other people are thinking. And I'm not saying I'm going to do any of these things any particular time soon. It's, 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 a, it's a thought that's floating in the air that I'm talking out loud and working through as we all sit here and relish and revel in all of the fashion glory that will be seen on TV. I think that's all I have on the Met Gala. It's too bad. I would love to do this podcast after the fact. But as you know, new episodes of The Botanista Show come out every TGIT Tuesday at 7 a.m. So it just simply wouldn't be possible. Instead, I'm saying this hoping that you played my game of roaster toast and that we had a great night, that we enjoyed it all, and we had a good time doing it. Next up, I have a very unfortunate story to share. Um, And I also think I might cry on today's podcast. It depends what we get into. Maybe we'll get into the crying part. If we're going to cry, we might do it now. I don't know that I really want to talk about this, but how often do I say that? And I ended up talking about something, but I kind of just brought it up inadvertently talking about sweatshirts and sentimental things and whatnot. But May 1st also is a sentimental day in my life, my family's life. Uh, Today, as I'm recording, this would be the 13th anniversary of my grandmother passing, my nanny, Gladys. She would be rolling over right now if I even revealed that her name was Gladys. That was not one of the names that uh, has boomed in the baby books, you know, in the new name lists. Even though, you know, there's Eloise's and Eleanor's and, you know, all the old school names coming back, I don't think Gladys is one of them. But speaking of sentimental sweatshirts and things, a, a lot of my sweatshirts that I wear that are in my closet right now are ones that she used to wear. And I have a number of different pieces over the years that I've sort of collected myself, you know, stolen from my mom, more or less, that remind me of her. And it's just interesting. And again, I haven't really thought out how I want to say this, but I think it would be good to talk about because, you know, one thing that I feel like particularly drawn to, and not in a weird way or like a voyeuristic way, if that's the right word, like on social media, one thing that I feel drawn to is the the people that I've connected with, a lot of them local, not anybody in particular that I've ever met in person, but just people that have followed me. I followed them back and I've watched their journey, but seeing people, my peers, if you will, document the process of grief through social media and the profound loss that people suffer, honestly, on a daily basis. 
and how people move on with their lives, regular people, like I said, people in my circles or a few degrees of separation away, watching them go through that process and post what they feel compelled to share on social media to either grieve themselves or to help other people through the process. And I'm like fascinated by it. It's almost like one of those things that you know, like the car accident cliche, like I can't look away. Like I watch and read these posts about people, particularly people that have lost their moms. And that's where obviously I'm definitely going to cry at some point, but, um, I'm just fascinated by not fascinated. is not the right word. Cause again, I'm not like ogling at this. I'm just trying to take it all in. And I think be the audience that some of these people post, uh, for, you know, And I'm conscious of, in my own life, you know, I talk about my mom all the time. She's a part of my content. She's a part of, you know, every single thing that I do. Literally almost every breath that I take in some way, shape, or form has to do with my mom. So I'm always conscious of the other end of things. It's like not, you know, boasting and being conscious of the fact that other people, like I said, people that follow me are posting about loss and grief and all that. And I'm out here, you know, at dinner every night with my mom, laughing on the couch, doing whatever. But Uh, I lost my grandmother when I was 16 years old. So I think the grieving process at that age, I really don't remember it. And I think that's something that I struggle with every year on the anniversary of her passing is this guilt that I was so either like consumed in my own life at that point. Like we were very, very close. They lived Uh, My grandparents lived just over the Massachusetts border in Westfield, Mass. They were at every single event, called them every single week, uh, took us on vacations, bought us the best clothes, never missed an event, a recital, a competition, a holiday. I mean, my childhood with my grandparents could not have been any more ideal or better. Uh, And we were so close. But when you're young like that, you know, I think that definition of close isn't as memorable. Like I have memories with them. I remember all the things we did together, but in terms of like, you know, we weren't having any complicated, complex, life-altering conversations at that point. It was just closeness in the fact of like time spent together, memories made, like I said, trips, events, things like that. But I don't remember really much more. And the social media element plays into like my grief in a way as well, or like processing it all these years later, because, you know, I didn't have a phone in my hand, like those later years when my grandmother was still around. I was in early high school, late middle school. And when I say, I mean, I was consumed in my own life. I think there's two parts to that as well, because, you know, I was a high school kid. I was playing sports. I was busy. I was having sleepovers with my friends. My grandparents didn't live particularly close. You know, cell phones were just kind of getting to be a thing. Um, So I still saw them. I talked to them. But the second part of that is that my grandmother was sick. And I think my parents, you know, probably purposely hid her illness from my sister and I as to not upset us, overwhelm us, worry us, scare us or whatever. And, you know, they kind of, this is my mom's mom and, you know, just had to put on a brave face and do what they had to do to like keep me and my sister, you know, in school and and busy and moving. And then my mom, you know, traveling there often, very often living there for, you know, almost weeks at a time to take care of my grandmother when she was going through her treatments and whatnot. But it's all kind of like a blur. And I have this recurring dream um, where... (sighs) where I 
like I see her and I'm like, I don't have any pictures of you. Like, I don't have any pictures of you. And I'm like mad at her that I haven't like seen her. And I have this weird feeling that like, I wish that I had more time, like at my age to like document being around her because if like now that's what we do like I have so many you know I take videos and pictures of everybody in my life all the time for fun obviously like to post to to have fun but like really like you know when people like I feel like I've gotten called out sometimes on like trips or like at events or whatever and like that I'm like on my phone all the time and so often I feel like it's because I'm trying to like capture that person whether it's my mom, my family, my fucking dog, my boyfriend, like I just want to have those memories close. Like we always joke around now when we're on like family trips and stuff or like Christmas morning, like, you know, my mom will be like, oh, let's take a picture. My sister, I will say, let's take a picture. But then we'll say, oh, it's just for my personal records. It's just for my personal records. Not going to get posted. Like, don't worry. You just woke up. It's Christmas morning. Like, but we're just like taking the picture to say that we have the picture. And we have the memory. And I just wish, like, all these years later now, and, you know, it's funny because social media is, like, so lame and so, you know, negative and, you know, toxic or whatever we call it. But, like, there's this weird pull that I have to just, like, be able to scroll back in my camera roll and, like, see, like, pictures or videos of my grandmother. Like, everything. I don't have any, like, digital memories of her, which is so crazy. And it just goes to show you, like, yeah, that was 13 years ago, but you know, any picture I have of her is a picture of a picture, which is a picture that was printed, that was taken on either like a digital camera or a film camera, honestly. And I'm not saying that like what, what memories I have or what pictures I have don't bring up memories. Like I, you know, I have, we have tons of pictures of her, but I guess I just mean like, I just want to quickly like be able to look at something or hear something and like, I don't know. It's a weird a weird part of it that I think now I think people are thankful that, you know, God forbid something happens to someone you love, as painful as it is to rewatch a video or read a text or listen to a voicemail. I think it makes us feel closer. Um, and it's funny now because even though I have all of her stuff, I think you just get, I feel more detached from this stuff now. You know, I wear her ring every day and you know, I, I think about her every single day, right? Um, but I don't, I guess the ring would be the closest thing I have to like feeling close to her. Um, but the sweatshirt, stuff like that. I mean, I know they're hers, but I don't know. It's a different, more detached feeling. I think you have the more time that passes. Um, and I try to think, you know, I don't, I'm not really one of those people that thinks like, oh, like what would she think of me today? Or like, you know, what would, life be like um because I don't know I mean so much time has passed like so many things have changed um and I don't really think about it in terms of like my relationship with her like I feel like the answers are obvious like when you lose somebody you're like oh what would they think of you know my boyfriend like you know I'd be able to show her my house or you know she'd go shopping with me and do that stuff but you can't really think like that. And that's not really the stuff that I like dwell on, I guess. It's more of the memories and trying to remember, like, you know, the person that she was and what she brought, like, 
to the world because I think she was only like 72 or 73 when she died, which is so young. I mean, freaking, um, what's his name? Just died at 79. R.I.P. Jerry Springer. Let's do a quick Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. I think there's two things that are true about my daily life. One, I think about my grandmother, my nanny every day. Number two, I probably say Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. At least once a day. I don't know why. It's just embedded in my brain. But I have to bring this up because I think, you know, anniversaries of things are so significant. You don't want to let the day go by. And, you know, the part I'm kind of weaving all these things in and out. But, you know, the part of how I said I'm kind of like conscious with my relationship with my mom. And like, I never want to overdo it because I know so many people that have lost people so close to them. And losing a grandparent is usually you know, I'm not saying hopefully, but like your first experience with loss and things like that. And, you know, because it's your grandparent, I think there is a different processing element of it, no matter how close you were, no matter how, you know, many times you saw them or talked on the phone or whatever, it's just different because you expect somebody older to pass away versus losing, you know, people that are younger, closer to you, uh, your parent, sibling, you know, significant other that kind of stuff is immeasurable like I can't and I'm talking about grief again from a from a distance um and I have respect for the people that are you know talking about it and going through it in a real time and then using social media to explain it but you know I'm I'm aware that I have this special relationship with my mom and you know Mother's Day is coming up and I think you know there's more out there of like not to like overdo it or shame or like you know, do Mother's Day sales or giveaways and things like that. Like, I think the messaging has changed to be more sensitive and inclusive to all different kinds of people. But when I think of the weight of my grandmother's loss, the thing that I guess I reflect on now, and I think the part of how I can cope with it and not cope with it at the same time is like, trying to understand like dealing with my selfish guilty feelings of like what was I like back then how did it affect me back then at that age like but like was I aware and I hope I was of like what my mom was going through like to lose your mom at any age you know that that changed my mom for the rest of her life and I think about all the time like what is my mom thinking about like when does she think about her and like my relationship with my mom to me is how I get through it and like live on. It's like, I hope that I can be to my mom what my mom was to my grandmother, if that makes sense. Obviously they were super close, had a great relationship. And I just wish I knew more about how I acted towards my mom at that time. And I remember a lot and that's, those aren't good details, obviously like knowing how she was getting through it and things like that. But today I just hope that everything that I'm doing, you know, I know that it makes my mom proud, but I hope that our relationship is sort of the next phase of whatever she, you know, would have been living with her mom. Hopefully, you know, if she had lived 10 years, she could still be alive right now. You know what I mean? So I just feel horrible thinking of all the grief that my mom has processed on her own and like not talked to me about and dealt with in her own ways, I'm sure. But, you know, just so many things have changed in her life since then that you know, we're all going to always say, I wish my mom was there to experience that and just how my mom's dealt with certain things. We have a little bit of change going on right now in her life and just other family stuff going on, which by the way, I would say I'm very good at hiding that stuff. Not that there's anything like catastrophic happening in my life, but I think, uh, you know, it's, I have actually, when I think about it, a lot of crazy things have happened in the past few months that I've been dealing with on the side. And I think, you know, I am always that like bubbly positive person that like doesn't let 
things get in the way. So, um, hi there. I'm doing my podcast. I said hi. Hi. Um, you have a beach shell. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so just trying to process everything else on the side and not have to talk about it and be about it and let it affect your daily life, I feel like is something that I am actually particularly good at and other people in their jobs like will get in trouble for or not be able to handle well because there's always going to be something going on on the side of your life and always something that's going to be distracting you from like your actual job that you get paid for and things that you do. So I'm lucky that it all gets to be kind of roped into one, but at the same time, not, not have to necessarily talk about every single thing. Sorry. Um, anyway, so fuck that probably just messed up all of that. I don't know if that will mess up. Um, so yeah, so just a lot to process. I think it's, um, and the other thing I guess that I would say that makes it hard is like, I don't know, like nobody wants to think about death and dying and all that like depressing shit all the time. But like, you know, I think you have to be, I'm definitely one of those people that tries to be as aware as possible that you truly never know like what's going to happen to anybody at any given time. Um, so a like living with that appreciation for time spent, memories made, like life is short mentality, like you have to embrace everything and I think, you know, again, losing someone at a younger age, it's hard for me to like say that I could have done more or experienced more or whatever, but forging relationships and making memories and pulling your phone out and taking those videos is so important to me now while also trying to like calm down and cope with the fear of just like that anything could happen at any time. Like I'm definitely I don't do that well. Like, I literally checked the headlines before I started this show today, and every single article that I read was about somebody dying. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two-year-old, just drowned in the pool yesterday. A 46-year-old British iron chef dropped dead before the premiere of the show. I'm like, what the fuck? You can't escape this stuff, but you also can't escape talking about it and feeling it and being, you know, surrounded uh by those thoughts in your life, whether you're just getting it all out there to get it out. Um, but also being positive. Like I said, my grandmother was just a great person and she's so many reasons why, um, I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, I've talked about her and how I would cry at the nail salon because I always get my nails done because that's something that she would do. Um, every piece of clothing in my closet and my mom's is probably an inherited trait from, you know, the memories that we have of her shopping and going into stores and, you know, buying the same shirt or the same shoes in three colors because we liked it so much, things like that. Um, and the one thing that I thought about today that made me smile is that I always made her laugh. She was probably the first person that I can remember more in like my elementary school, middle school years where I remember making her laugh till she cried. Her and her friends, we would go out on our boat in Saratoga. We would sit out at, uh, my parents had like this little tiki bar outside and we always had friends over and I was in my little SNL, Amanda show, all that prime back then. And I would come up with these skits and I would do these voices and I would play these characters. I would do different accents and she would laugh so hard. She gave me a lot of my confidence, I think, in being an entertainer and being funny. And I hope to God that she was actually laughing at me and she actually did think that I was funny. Um, but I'll never forget just that laugh. 
um, and being able to kind of have that power over people, these adults, you know, I was a kid and kids are freaking weird. Like I think about things that kids do now and things that you guys post that your kids do. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know, like I've got enough of that in me. I'm already putting it all out there. Like sure they make you laugh, but like kids are so weird. So I hope what I was doing back then was legitimately funny, but she definitely instilled some sort of confidence in me and belief that I could be a funny person. Like I said, I don't think about what she would think of me now and my live shows and my outfits, but more because I don't think you can go down that rabbit hole, but sure. I mean, yeah, I would love to send her my outfits for Derby Day and, you know, just have a relationship, like I said, on an adult level, because, you know, I remember everything with my mom at this age. And I think, you know, this is the age that a lot of us also start appreciating our relationships with our parents more in general, you know, just the level, like I said, of conversations that you can have, the trips that you can go on, the drinks that you can have together. It's just so different. You see it through totally different eyes. And, you know, it's so important to have great memories as a kid, of course, so that you're not fucked up and you're not, you know, Jared from Subway documentary type of guy. It's so important to have a great childhood. But when you think about it, like your childhood memories just will never compete or compare to the things that you allow yourself to feel and experience and be as an adult. So that's what I miss the most. That's what I miss out on and wish I had more in a a grandparent type of relationship with her is that I just missed out on those older years of like, you know, being two adults um, and not so she could pat me on the back or buy me things or things like that. It's just like, what would we be talking about and what memories could be made now? So like I said, a lot of, lot of respect to the people that document this process on a much closer level. Um, you know, tragic, traumatic things happen all the time. This isn't supposed to be a Debbie Downer podcast, but it is a nice way to kind of reflect on what, what emotions an anniversary can kind of make you feel. And if you don't say it, if you don't put it out there, then you don't have those memories. So that's that. Told you I was going to cry. And now I can't look at my dog because imagine. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. That was the other sad news. JoJo Siwa's dog she just adopted died. Like, we just got to get that talk out of here. So just say it with me one more time. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Then we move on. All right, next up. I mentioned that I would love to show my grandmother my Derby Day outfits. You know who I'd love to show my Derby Day outfits even more? Me. I don't have one yet. It's May 2nd as you're listening. May 6th is the Kentucky Derby. I fell short on one promise that I made uh, last year at the Derby. My Derby Day promise that I made to myself last year was I am going to the Kentucky Derby in 2023. As I sit here in my Carl Lagerfeld sweatpants, I regret to inform you that I am not going to the Kentucky Derby in person, but I am gleefully accepting an invitation to be involved and be present at the Saratoga National Derby Day party hosted at Prime at Saratoga National. They were gracious enough to accept Two Buttons Deep and the Botanista in on their step and repeat. We're going to be there. We're a media partner, whatever. All that means to me is that I'm going to be going a few buttons deep with a few hundred people. Miller Lite is on the menu. And my outfit is TBD. 
I don't have Met Gala goals. I don't have a stylist to work with me. I just have the power of my own imagination, Google.com, and all the lovely websites that are out there to offer. So I ordered a horrific, a horrific jumpsuit on one of my favorite websites, Akira, which uh, is one of those things that I like to keep to myself because I love that website. But um, since you're listening to the podcast, I've shared that site with you before. I didn't have a great feeling about this jumpsuit. It's royal blue, which royal blue is a weird color to me. I I like it. Like, I like it in small doses. I like it on some people or in some garments. But I can feel a lot of the time that royal blue looks a little cheap. And this Akira website, again, I, we have talked about this website. The quality is always very good. It's not cheap, cheap stuff. It's it's a decent price for, again, one-time wear, which I know. It's going to be a one-time wear. Rent the Runway had a, an abominable showing for Derby Day outfits. They all got taken up. So um, I knew I was going to only wear it once. Royal blue, puff sleeves. It's going to be one of these iffy weather days like today. Did not work out. It's so bad I wouldn't even be able to post it on my Instagram stories just for a good laugh. It was really, really bad. So um, I reached out to one nasty gal for a Hail Mary SOS. Well, let me know. Uh, I'll let you know how that nasty gal does. If I will be a nasty gal on May 6th at Primate Saratoga National. Nasty gal territory is tricky because a lot of people use that website. I would rather um, lay in traffic than be seen wearing the same outfit as somebody unintentionally at an event like that. It's a worry with any of these websites. It's a worry with Rent the Runway. But for the most part, I've always steered clear. I've never really fallen into that predicament before. But I have a little worries, not a lot of worries. Um, I want some sort of accessory for my head trying to work through that. I just feel like it's weird. Like I don't feel, even though I love the track and I'm at the track all the time and we're going to celebrate the Kentucky Derby, which is a big horse racing meet. There's something weird about me getting in like full track style that just doesn't feel right. I think it's the time of year. I think it's the fact that it's not at the track. Saratoga National is a beautiful venue. I'm very excited. This is kind of the hot party uh, to be at. So I'm excited to see all the fashions, but for some reason, like just like the fascinator and like short little dress look just isn't for me. I feel like I need to take it in a slightly different direction, still be myself, still fit with the theme, um, but most importantly, fit with the weather. So Mother Nature, if you're listening, I want to be a nasty gal with you. I want to be a nasty gal with you, Mother Nature, on May 6th at Prime at Saratoga National. And by the way, if you're not going, if you don't have derby plans, let me know. Um, Don't let me know. Just go and buy tickets, follow along. Go there. It's going to be a great day. It's from 4 to 9, so it won't get in the way of your regular activities. As mentioned, Miller Lite will be there, and so will me. So will I. So Derby Day at Saratoga National coming right up. Coming right up as well, we have five random things. I might only have four. I might have five. I don't know. Five random things is brought to you by AAA, baby. Why do I like to say baby at the end of everything? I don't know. Why do I like to tell you that I'm a triple A member now? Because that's a huge flex. That is another adult thing like processing grief and talking about loss and crying on your own podcast. 
That's very adult-like, and so is getting a AAA membership. I finally signed up for the first time after I was dissed on the Behind the Buttons podcast as somebody that, quote-unquote, looks like they would be a good fit for a AAA membership. Is it because I don't know how to change a tire, and when I was in high school, I was wearing a skirt and a dress or something and refused to get on my hands and knees and learn how to change a tire and driver's ed. Yes, that is the reason why. Um, but AAA is so much more than just a roadside assistance membership. You get deals and discounts on so many local places from the UPS store to restaurants to cheap movie tickets. They have a travel planning service. So if you want to book something extravagant, but you don't want to get caught up in all the nitty gritty details, AAA can help you out. They offer a lot more and you just pay a one-time annual membership subscription. You got to start keeping that thing on you, that little ID card that you get. Uh, I got one thing there that, speaking of my fear of death and whatnot, um, they had this thing and I've also been rewatching Succession. So if you know, you know, they have this like little tiny device that if you ever are submerged in water in your car, you can cut your seatbelt with it and you can also like open and shatter your window. It's just like this little tchotchke trinket gadget, some of my favorite words. And it came in pink, but I was like, I need that. Like that's one of my biggest fears. If you, I mean, it's not a spoiler on succession because it happened in the first season, but uh, Kendall Roy obviously submerged in water at one point and escapes and gets stuck in underwater in a car. And I just feel like that's something I think about a lot, fear of bridges every once in a while. So AAA now has me strapped with my own protection. If I knew how to use it, that would be even better. Hope I never have to learn. But there are AAA clubs located here, the Northway region, which is Saratoga, and other surrounding counties. There's also a AAA Hudson Valley, which is, covers your Albany County areas. So figure out which club is closest to you. You can always sign up online, but really go in and have the experience and figure out what it means to be a AAA member. Even though I just said I would be horrified to be matching with somebody at the derby party unintentionally, a stranger, a peer, someone I don't know, someone I didn't plan with. My number one random thing is a fashion carryover from last week. I talked about um, the denim skirt last week and how I endorse it. And I talked about the classic trench coat and I endorse that. I forgot to mention it last week, but it makes so much more sense this week. Um, Another spring trend. And this is a tough one. This is a tough one to wrap your head around. It's a tough one to think about. There's this resurgence of the vest and like tailored trouser look. I'm going to sound like a real deal big time hypocrite because this is Drew Barrymore 101. Of course, she dresses it up 80s detective style with a bolo tie with, uh, you know, a, a jacket over top, like three piece suit style, um, you know, questionable glasses. Like she's really on a theme here of like, you know, she wants to be the next character in Clue. The way that you're seeing it on your favorite influencers, Instagrammers, is a much more low-key, coastal grandmother-esque type of look. And I previously said in my head, this was a look that I wanted to rent instead of try. This has always been one of my main reasons for being a proponent of Rent the Runway, is that when something trendy comes along, if you don't know if you're going to like it, why don't you just rent it first and see? But... As I continued my quest to rebuild my wardrobe back with some staples, Senior Buttonista and I were at Express of all places. I'm not typically an Express shopper. 
in Colony Center, not typically a Colony Center shopper, but I do like to pop into uh, Nordstrom Rack every now and again. And we both ended up buying a linen vest tailored trouser combo matching set in like a light taupe uh, tan color. I was pleasantly surprised. The top was flattering. If you have nice boobs or you can push your boobs up, it it's a nice look. It's good for the girls. It's good for your big cans. Oh my God, I totally forgot to tell my traumatic story because I started talking about my nanny instead. Um, so the, the up top look is good. I think you can add some accessories. You can add some layering necklaces to it. The, the pants are rewearable. They are just your regular pull-on trouser that's perfect for summer, linen. You know, it does give you kind of Martha Stewart's, like I said, Martha Stewart's, yeah, Martha Stewart's shops. Did you know that? Her name is Martha Stewart's shops. Um, so I liked it. It came in three colors. It came in like a mauve like purpley pink, came in pale yellow. Those are the colors that my mom and I were automatically drawn to. Um, and this isn't the first time we've tried on the same thing at the same store. Uh, we're always in that weird like size thing where sometimes we will share a lot of stuff, but then some things are just either so good or so specific that I'm like, I need my own. Was not expecting her to walk away with it too, but we both got it. Like I said, I like the look on me. I think it's kind of, even though it's a trend, it's kind of classic. Like you could separate the pieces. You could wear the vest with high-waisted jeans. Um, you could wear it kind of three-piece suit style, even though I don't have, there was no matching. Actually, you know what? I think there was a matching blazer to go with it. So you could go full-on three-piece style. Um, I'm not advising this trend for everybody. Uh, my friend Ty, who I talk about on this podcast all the time, she mentioned to me that she tried on something similar. She might have tried on the exact same one for the overdressed to impress party. And she did not have a good reaction to herself in it. It was very funny. She made me laugh out loud with how she described herself in the outfit. It wasn't for her. The verdict's out on whether it's for me. I think it looks cute. I think I can pull it off. Again, at the right event, the right function, the right video shoot that I have to do. So I'm kind of turning a corner on the vest trend. Though I wanted to rent it, though I've trashed Drew, I think if you're a certain build, if you're committed to styling it to perfection, like you can't just throw this on and leave. You either got to do, some girls could probably pull off this look with like a cool chunky sneaker. Some people like me would need to really elevate physically like four or five inches and do heels with it. But maybe a headscarf, like I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. So if you see the vest trend popping up, just know it might be worth trying. Might be. Bitch, I might be. Don't know for sure. It just got really stuffy. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, I'll make it just one of my random things, is I want to say, I don't want to say I'm the first person that this has ever happened to in the world, um, but I am recovering from a nipple injury. At first, I did think I was the first person in the world. I'm just going to come out and say it. I cut my nipple in the shower. I just straight up dropped my razor and grazed my nipple as the razor poetically, tragically fell to the ground and hit the shower floor. I don't know if you've ever cut your nipple before. I think you possibly could have had a nipple injury, whether it was in the bedroom, whether you have a young baby who you are nursing. It wouldn't be totally uncommon for your nipple to be hurt, brazed, bruised, sore, etc. But until you have had blood gushing out of your nipple, 
don't talk to me. If you've ever cut yourself in the shower, you will know the way that the blood just comes out is on a, it's on another level. I've, I've literally probably a year to the date have done a bit and several have, you know, several times I have done bits on the frequency of cutting my legs in the shower. I must be the worst showerer in the history of all time. I drop the soap constantly. I'm team bar soap, not team body wash, or I'm a team combination of both, but you have to have bar soap in the shower. I drop the soap all the time. I could never go to prison. I cut myself shaving all the time. I am just a little clumsy when I get around water. People have told me that I'm horrible at washing my face, brushing my teeth. I get water everywhere. It's a scene. There's soap. There's debris. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just loose. I'm loose with it when I'm in the shower. All I did was finish shaving under my arms, grab the razor in a bit of a rush, and it fell, it nicked my nip, and chaos ensued. Shower plus blood, I think it just immediately waters it down so the blood just seems to be a lot thinner and it's just it just is in a much larger quantity in terms of like how the droplets are getting out there. And you know the feeling because you've cut yourself in the shower shaving, not cutting your nipple. Oh, and I don't shave my boobs either. Like it's not like I was getting hair around my nipple, which I'm sure there is some hair there, but I wasn't shaving my boobs or shaving my nipples. I just dropped it. I just want to clarify that for the history books in the records. I had to band-aid it. I was worried that it was going to start bleeding in a meeting that I had. I had to watch my clothing all week. I had been finding blood spatter like everywhere that I traveled in the moments after cutting my nipple in the shower. And there is a little bit of a processing recovery time. I was, I was in actual pain the next day when the water hit it again. I'm glad to say, you know, I don't think I lost any, uh, any cells. I think the nipple is still fully intact. But this is just another traumatizing moment that something like this could only happen to me. Too fast, too quick. I'm loose with it in the shower. And if you see me, just have some grace. Just know that I'm going through some things and that I'm nursing a pretty traumatic, out of the blue, nowhere injury that I really wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy, except for baby Carl Lagerfeld, because I am a little offended about what he said about the sweatpants. Number three, I jokingly mentioned uh, the Jared from Subway documentary came out in March maybe, but I saw someone else posted about it. It's on ID. I have YouTube TV, so I just looked it up. Just a quick little three-part documentary about Jared from Subway and how he was a big, fat, P-H-A-T and F-A-T at one point pedophile. Now, I'm a documentary girl. Like I said, I don't know. It's I think we're just obsessed with with things. We're just intrigued by things. Like I said, that car accident kind of mentality. So I love documentaries and I've watched so many in my day. I'm a true crime, more of that's kind of the realm that I like to go into, but I don't really discriminate against documentaries. If it's true, I'm into it. If it leads, it bleeds. If it bleeds, it leads. That whole thing, that's my vibe. I will say though, as a whole, while it's a fascinating story, It wasn't my favorite documentary of all time. I'd still recommend it if you're just interested in the story or like I said, you're just hot for documentaries like Jared Fogle was hot for middle schoolers. What he did, the things he said, absolutely unfathomable, unimaginable, disgusting. And the guy that was his little ringleader that was next to him, 10 times worse. It gets really effing weird at the end. 
The documentary itself wasn't the the highest quality. I felt like the level of reporting wasn't that good. It was accurate. I mean, the story came out, was portrayed, but I just felt as though they could have probably interviewed either different people or more people. So I wasn't totally like, you know, enthralled with the whole presentation of it. The part that blew my mind though, and I feel like I should know this because he rose to fame in the early 2000s. I was blown away by the level of fame and notoriety that the people in this documentary say that Jared from Subway had. They were literally acting like he was bigger than the Beatles. I mean, he was interviewed by Oprah. He was on red carpets. He was friends with celebrities. Like, they made it seem like he was the biggest, biggest thing that ever came across our TVs. He was worth $15 million. So I guess he was. I mean... I remember the commercials. I remember his face. I remember seeing him. I remember his fall from grace. But to know that this normal guy off the street who somehow miraculously, I wish they went more into detail into this, lost 245 pounds in one year eating Subway sandwiches, I could not believe the superstar that they turned him into just by making him a mainstream spokesperson. I'd love to have seen a little bit more on that. A, the just the... The fact that you could lose 245 pounds eating Subway sandwiches. I don't know if that's possible. Apparently it was. The fact that was this possibly the first time that a average person was a spokesperson? Because you think, I mean, any other spokesperson that you can think of is a celebrity of some kind, an athlete, an actress. So I don't know if it was like a revolutionary concept at the time was taking a regular old guy but he lived in indiana the entire time that he was famous he did get married with two kids which is shocking um it just wasn't as juicy for me and i think stuff with children obviously is a little hard to watch like you know we joke that we can watch like gruesome murder things and dateline and whatnot but when it comes to the kids it's you're looking the other way just listening to things that he's saying you're you just have a goosebumps reaction in a really negative way that's not intriguing that's not fascinating that's just straight up disgusting and awful and sad and horrific so i mean there's a little of that but um like i said it's not like it's bad it's something like that was a bad documentary but i just love to learn about these things, I guess. Um, Unfortunately, he only got a 15-year prison sentence, which I would hope at some point that gets um, prolonged for the crimes that he did commit. But if you're looking for a good watch, um, go ahead and just... I was going to say pleasure yourself, but you can't say that. Uh, Just tune into the Jared from Subway documentary. There's no no more jokes that can be made about that. Number four... um, Oh, I have to do this. I have a little bit of an update to my live podcast. I had teased and posted that there would be an announcement coming very soon, that it was going to be in a specific but not too specific timeline in May. That has since changed. We are aiming to push the podcast back a little bit due to some ongoing updates with the venue. So the venue hopefully will stay the exact same. Show, same old, but same new, good shit. You know, we got it all planned out, but it will not be at the hinted at date in May. It will more likely be in early June. And I do think this is for the best. I really want to get back out there on stage. I'm saving my jokes, getting material ready. I cannot wait to do it. But the venue that we will be going to, fingers crossed, all goes well. If we wait a little bit longer, your experience there will be a little bit better. So I'm willing to do that for the sake of the venue to make sure that they can present themselves to you guys, the audience, in the best way possible, and that we can just have good old-fashioned 
but it needs to show fun. If you haven't been to one, typically the venue, uh, the event runs from like six to nine. So we do an hour of cocktails, networking, some kind of music, uh, merch stand. Like you can just enter at your leisure, bring your friends, get comfortable before we settle you into the show around seven, seven fifteen. Then we podcast for a bit. And then depending on how high the vibes are, we hang some more, take pics, chit chat, mingle, do the whole thing, let you get on out of there safely. So we really want to make sure that we host a comprehensive event, deliver it in a similar format to the way that if you have been, you've been used to and accustomed to, and we just want to have a good time with that. We want to perfect the show. We want it to be great. So please be patient with me. Stay tuned. Hopefully early June doesn't F up anybody's calendars. I had a few people say, oh, I hope it's not this day in May. It's not that day in May. So that's a good thing. That means you're preparing for it. You're doing what I'm telling you to do, which is stay tuned. Uh, and hopefully maybe... This time next week, we'll be inching a little bit closer to an announcement. Number five, um, I feel like there's been a lot of bad news on today's podcast, a lot of reflection. I mentioned the headlines. I'm just going to read to you the headline of the day. You could sit and ponder this until next Tuesday. An Arkansas woman has pleaded guilty that she sold 20 boxes of stolen body parts to a Pennsylvania man for $20,000. Weekend update if you need a new host. Let me know. Until then, I will see you next Tuesday.